What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Now, today we have Alex Winchell, the developer behind the web-based game known as Politics and War. Alex, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Of course, and I'm glad you reached out. I hadn't heard about your game before, but it feels like there's an interesting story about how this all came about. Uh, I love seeing games like this. It reminds me of, of some older games I used to play. But that being said, before we actually dive into the game itself, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, How did you get started uh, into creating games like Politics and War? I think I probably first got started making games in general when I was pretty young. I can remember being... Oh, shoot, I don't know, probably somewhere between the ages of like five and seven. And uh, uh, I've got an older brother. He's about 10 years older than me. And he was um, on his PC doing Game Maker. And so okay. he was uh, showing me how you could make games. And he actually uh, had me sit down and, and it was really cool. I like just drew the sprites, I guess, for the game, basically. And he mm -hmm. did all of the programming. So we worked together and we made this uh, little shoot 'em up game or platformer shooter, I guess, where... Uh, you played as this really awful, awfully drawn stick man that I did. Um, and uh, I called it Chester's Life. Chester was the name of my cat. And you were, uh, uh, let's see, you were stranded on Mars and you had to like fight these aliens or something to get away. And and he really put it all together and made it all really nice. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it had like really, really crudely drawn sprites and uh, characters and stuff that, <laughs> that I did at like six years old or however old I was. So that nice. was probably when I really got my first taste of, of making games. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of like a, a janky Commander Keen. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I wish I still had a copy of it now. Unfortunately, uh, I think it's long gone. <laughs> that is kind of the problem with age, especially with games in that era. They are kind of just not like there's a lot of older games that I wish I could replay, but just they would not with today's technology uh, yeah. or I just don't have it. But yeah, it's it's hard when uh, things aren't as easily stored as they are now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's awesome so so okay so you're working on that janky game take me from from you know that and i don't mean that as a as a bad term i just mean you know crudely drawn sprites take me from that to politics and war how did you get to to you know that point a to point z yeah so that i mean it is kind of a big gap there probably about uh 10 years or so of um i guess i i continue to try to make games using like game maker for mm -hmm. i don't know the next several years i guess and then um, you know, all along the way, I was also just playing games. I've always been kind of an avid gamer, especially with computer games. Spent probably way too much time on my computer. But uh, I, I also <laughs> had kind of a passion for um, politics and government. And so mm -hmm. uh, I was constantly scouring Google for like games where I could create my own country or like play as a country and do like mm -hmm. war games and stuff like that. And so um, probably around 2007, 2008, I found this game called Cyber Nations. And it's, uh, it still exists at like cybernations.net or something, but it's a browser-based um, nation game where you get to create your own country and and you interact with uh, all of the other players like in in real time, I guess. Um, it's not like fast-paced, it's it's persistent. And so mm -hmm. um, once you create your account, like you just kind of play forever um, and it never really has an end date. But uh, right. you can trade with other people and fight wars and stuff. And it had this whole real cool community around it where people would create alliances and all these alliances had their own offsite uh, forums that they would communicate on. And we used to use uh, internet relay chat, IRC. I don't know if you've ever used that. It's pretty pretty old now. No. It's yeah, kind of no, like Discord before Discord though. Like, um, like imagine like a 90s chat application, but people set mm -hmm. it up the way that people set up Discord servers now. 
Gotcha. Um, okay. But so I, I got pretty involved in that game and I played it for a while. And then uh, at some point I got banned from that game. And uh, it was kind of a, a silly story where I was in one of those um, IRC channels, or I guess the game's official one. And mm -hmm. some guy hopped on and was like, uh, I'm the Grinch and I hacked the game. And, you know, you now that you know about this, you have an obligation to report me to the moderators or else you will get banned, too. And I was like 12. And I was like, oh, no, I guess I've seen this. I better, like, make this report to the moderators. Right. And uh, so I got in, like, the official game forums and I wrote up, like, this little report about what happened. And uh, they actually just banned me outright from the game because um, apparently I was, like, trolling the moderators or something just silly. They had, like, this uh... warning structure in place where you'd get, like, five warnings and then you could be banned from the game. And they completely just overrode that in this case for some reason and just banned oh, me no. from the game. <laughs> and so it was like in that moment i was like ah like this like th at that point that game was really a big part of my life i think you know i spent a lot right. of time involved in that community and doing different things and i was like well you know i've made games before i'll just make my own cyber nations and uh that kind of kick-started the whole process of um learning how to make a game like that because right. Like I said, up until that point, I'd, I'd really only done Game Maker, and a lot of it was drag and drop, and it's you know very visual and uh, on your PC, mm -hmm. and um, so this was a, a web-based game, and I literally started by googling things like how do I make a website, how do I create a system where people can register and log in, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I learned all sorts of things about uh, web development essentially um, in the process. But uh, yeah, I, I figured out how to use like. Uh, PHP was probably the most common, you know, web-based programming language at the time. And there was all sorts of examples of how you could create like a registered login system with that and use like a, a MySQL database. And so I was figuring out how to use all these kind of uh, complicated web development tools at, at a pretty young age because I, I just was fixated on this idea that I was going to make this game. <laughs> and uh, so over the next few years, I basically tried and failed over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a freshman in high school, so this was 2011, I created a game called Pixel Nations. So mm -hmm. it's probably something between what Cyber Nations is and Politics and War is now. Um, and it, it was kind of successful. So I basically, you know, made this game where you could create your own country and you could like, you could do some more different things than you could in Cyber Nations. So in Cyber Nations, you just had infrastructure and land for like your whole nation. They're just numeric values that you could buy to increase. Um, in my game, I had some a little bit more complicated system where you had like cities and then different types of infrastructure. You had like residential and commercial. Um, mm -hmm. I, th I think I adopted a lot of elements actually from SimCity, which was another game that I really right. enjoyed to play. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Types. Yeah. And so uh, I kind of put this game together and it, it kind of was working. Um, I think at its peak, I probably had around 500 players. But uh, there was definitely like some security issues and bugs with the game that uh, I just I didn't yeah. know how to fix. So I, I think people were like hacking it, like giving themselves like lots of money. And and I just didn't <laughs> really know how to deal with that issue. Right. Um, and I also kind of experienced that was probably my first taste of like uh, some of the frustration that comes along with like managing um, probably an online community in general. But yeah. uh, so lots of people complaining, you know, I don't like how you're doing this and and basically just complaining about anything that I would do, you know, anytime I would make an update or add something or change something. Mm -hmm. There'd be lots of people that really liked it, how it was before and like posted lots of negative com comments and stuff. And Oof, yeah. uh, 
I think that kind of got to me and I kind of got frustrated with it um, between that and the, the actual programming issues with the game. And so yeah. um, I actually found a guy who played the game that wanted to buy it from me. And I'm sure he had, you know, big aspirations to kind of develop it further and stuff. And so um, I sold that game to him for like $1,200. So oh, I was nice. like 14 or 15 <laughs> and by that point. And that was a lot of money for me, you know, at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was a pretty cool deal and um, I kind of swore off it for a while um, I thought I'd just be like a normal high school kid and I wouldn't you know spend all this time in my bedroom on my computer making games and I think that lasted for maybe like a year or so um, but I eventually just kind of got the itch and uh, was back at making games so um, yeah. I made another one after that that was a little bit better called Martian Empires and it was like the exact same concept, web-based game, except instead of making like a country, you made a Martian colony and it was set in the okay. future. And then you like interacted with other Martian colonies and stuff. Um, okay. that, that game just wasn't very popular. It was a lot more well done, like on my side in terms of programming, but uh, it just didn't attract nearly as much interest. I, I think there's probably just less of an appetite for that type of game compared to the, uh, I guess, earth political simulation game right yeah yeah um so at some point i kind of gave up on continuing that project um and then my junior year of high school i came up with the idea for politics and war not that it was really a new idea it was basically the same idea of cyber nations but better um mm -hmm. but uh i i guess i had enough skills by that point of, of like i said just kind of trying and failing and trying and failing and, and starting and stopping different projects i had learned enough about the programming and the databases and everything to put together a game that uh wasn't half bad or maybe is half bad but that was enough i don't know right uh, <laughs> good and, enough i guess <laughs> yeah and so that's that's kind of how politics and war got started and i probably worked on it for around a year before i like officially launched it and that wow. was august of 2014 and uh, okay. it's been it's been going ever since so that was about six years ago yeah that's awesome and so you're continuing to upkeep this which is which is very cool and and promote the game now so uh for those listening and you know a lot of people can kind of piece together what this is but can you give me like you know the elevator pitch if you will what what is this game all about yeah so in politics and war you get to create your own country um you get to kind of draw down a little map and select a flag and you have a leader name and a nation name um, all these kind of role play elements and then once you've created your nation you get to um, interact with all of the other players so there's no npcs pretty much everything in the game is player driven um, so you can trade with other uh, nations you can fight wars against them people form alliances they have uh, really big communities in the game um, and then I guess from like the single player point of view you are pretty much always trying to grow your nation um, you can build cities you can build infrastructure in your cities uh, by land cities have different improve, uh, improvements that you can build so those are like uh, police stations or like a coal mine or there's military stuff to increase your military size there's these kind of different ways that you can specialize you know what you want to focus on what types of production um, and the game has like a really big, uh, totally like, I don't know what the right word is. I, it has its own economy. Um, yeah. I think people that have played my game have compared it to EVE Online. Now, I don't want to say it's that complex or anything, but uh, <laughs> um, there's no price setting or anything. It's it's all uh, supply and demand driven. So 
um, you know, sometimes there will be shortages of resources, um, and sometimes there will be surpluses and people try to play the market. They'll, you know, if coal prices are high and there's not a lot of coal production, people will switch their nation builds to start uh, mining coal and then sell that to make more money and, and do different things. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then, like I said, there's the whole wars and alliances element where, uh, these alliances will fight wars against each other. And like I said, there's really no way to win the game. It's persistent. Right. Um, and so it's kind of a king of the hill battle to be the number one alliance and see how long you can hold on to that spot before somebody else thinks that they can do it and they attack you and, and you kind of have that war for it. And, and the wars turn into these huge global conflicts where uh, all of the alliances basically form treaties with other alliances until there's like two sides and, and they just have all out wars. And, and that whole aspect of the game is really kind of cool how, how much of a community there is to it right did you did you um envision that like i know there's a lot of different elements that you're you're kind of putting into this from the start right but there seems to be a whole big aspect of all of these different community pieces and that this is very driven based on the actual social interaction of the game like is this kind of how you first starting uh the creation of this game thought that it would blow up into you know i never expected that it would be as popular as it is now um, but, uh, most of these elements I did just kind of adopt from cyber nations and cyber nations did kind of have all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. some of it in cyber nations was a lot less complex, like in politics and war, there are 11 resources that you can, mm-hmm. uh, produce and trade and, and cyber nations has like a, a trading system, but everybody kind of has two fixed resources and you just get kind of a bonus. It's more like how you would imagine resources work in like civilization. Whereas um, in politics and war, it's more like you would expect in like Age of Empires or Starcraft where, you know, you produce the resources and then uh, use them to build things and, and stuff instead of just getting like a bonus for having it. Right. So going going to that resource thing, I thought it was interesting. You're saying the, the difference of like supply and demand of, of you know, resources being scarce or there being a, a shortage. Is there is there anything, um, you know, in, in like the back end sense of you saying or like programmatically it's saying like right now resources are short, you don't have as much to mine from. Like, how does that look? Is that is that not the case? Is it just based on how much the player is mining for those resources or is there potential like global issues happening yeah so there's really no set controls um like on my end or anything Mm -hmm. um like for example if uh let's take coal as a resource in the game you can build there's like a limit on how many coal mines you can build per city i think it's like 10 so let's say you know you could build 10 coal mines in all of your cities and produce um you know a huge amount of coal every day Mm -hmm. um and there's really there's no limit on like the total amount in the game that could be like produced um, okay. For the first like five years or so of the game, I really just was winging it and like didn't track that stuff at all. Um, right. <laughs> a couple years ago, uh, or maybe a year ago or so, I actually uh, set up some tracking to see like how much of each resource is available in the game, so I could kind of see how it gets used and produced um, in real time. And then so like now I'm able to to um, look at something and be like, hey, you know, there's way too much coal in the game right now. Um, I could add some new content that like uses coal as a resource to, to kind of be a sink for that, to, um, decrease that total quantity in the game. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, kind of on that same point of not really the, the, the resources side, but more of the programmatic, like backend things. Are there any type of, um, you know, like global issues or things that are affecting multiple people? Like, I'm just kind of thinking of, of, uh, different ways to almost bring people together when it's not just about, you know, war or trading resources. Are there things that, you know, even bigger than your country are happening? Yeah, so that's a great question, and uh, it, it is a really cool area, and and I've dabbled in it a little bit. I actually want to do more with that, um, mm-hmm. but there are a few things. So uh, one example is uh, you can build nuclear weapons. It takes kind of some prerequisite steps, but you can build and then launch nuclear weapons at people, and, and it happens all the time. And one of the consequences mm-hmm. of that is that uh, there's like radiation levels in the game that get tracked. Oh. And so each nation is on a continent and each continent has like kind of a local radiation level and then there's a global radiation level. And so if you're in a continent, let's say your nation's in North America and other nations in North America are just getting nuked left and right, um, the radiation level there for you is going to skyrocket. And the effect that that has in the game is that it uh, decreases food production. There are some like more specific effects, like for the nations that get hit, they you know suffer like increases in pollution and losses in population, right. things like that. Um, aside from just the damage that happens, but in terms of like global effects and and even regional effects in this case, um, you can you can knock food production to zero. And so, um, like I said, uh, we end up with these global wars where like there might be more or less peace in the game for like six months, and then there'll be like three months of just all out war with lots of nukes flying everywhere. And food production in the game will like plummet to zero. And I actually get lots of messages from like new players of the game that like are are unfamiliar kind of with how things work that are like, you need to fix this. Like it's broken. Food prices are like super high and and there's no food being produced. I can't produce food. Nobody can produce food. Um, And so that's like kind of a really fun and interesting thing that happens is the food prices will skyrocket and people that anticipate it will like stock up on food ahead of time and then, you know, sell it at these huge margins because people just can't get food for their for their nations and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm Um, yeah, that was that's a question that I had because there seems to be so much going on in this, right? As a as a new person, like if I wanted to start this game just today, it's daunting, right? There's there's uh, a number of different resources. There's a number of different things out there. What what kind of advice or what what things are out there for people who are just starting to kind of help them get along into this world? Yeah, that's a good point. There is pretty steep learning curve, um, and it's something that I've been trying to make better. I, I'm in progress on like a whole new tutorial that mm-hmm. will be a lot more comprehensive and, and hopefully help eliminate kind of kind of that barrier to new players um, getting involved in the game and, and understanding what's going on. But uh, as is, um, there is kind of a, a poorly made tutorial built into the game um, that I set up uh, a few years ago. And then uh, really kind of what usually makes the biggest difference is um, when a new player signs up, if they join an alliance, uh, mm-hmm. one of these in-game communities, those alliances basically have like full guides to teach new players all of these things. And a lot of them will actually yeah. have like uh, like schools for their new players. Like, you know, you can join our alliance, but you won't be a full member until you, you know, read these materials. You like maybe do a short quiz. You get interviewed wow. by like some of our members. Um, oh my goodness. This is, this is really robust. And this is all fan-made, correct? Yeah, so all of that stuff happens. It used to happen mostly in offsite forums. Nowadays, uh, most of it happens in Discord servers. So kind of uh-huh. once Discord popped up, everything moved that route. Um, and I think that's <laughs> a lot more efficient for 
the players to do it on discord but but yeah they right. um a lot of times they will make you jump through some hoops um and it'd be nice if it was a little bit more accessible uh like i said i'm working on kind of that new tutorial which i hope will make it but um right right yeah how do i i guess like first off that's super cool because what an interesting way to get through uh i guess uh, you know some of those those hiccups or some of those issues with getting people through the door right but but also how do you how do you manage that from an expectation level with you being the creator of the game and saying well the game should be played this way or you know the you want i i, I don't know i i see it really positive on one side but really negative on another because like you're not in charge of what is happening in, in that regards of being a part of that alliance right i guess is it, and I mean, I guess you could still be a part of the alliance and and do whatever you want in the game, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I I don't really have a good way to frame this. I just think it's it's an interesting conversation of like, do you struggle with the fact that there are some things, like some aspects, are in a strange way out of your control because of the way the game is, you know, designed. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. To get at your point. Um... It is hard, and I think we do tend to suffer with player attention issues as a result. So mm -hmm. when you when you join the game, um, I do try to push people to join an alliance because I think that's one of the um, leading ways to like engage people. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you kind of just can't even go alone because if you try to play by yourself, people will just attack you and steal your stuff, and it's really hard to counter <laughs> it as a solo player than it right. is uh, in a group. Um, but um, let's see, what was I going to say here? Yeah, so the people, the new players that sign up, um, you know, how well they do and how uh, much they're able to learn about the game, I think is largely dependent on, first of all, if they join an alliance or not. But then if they do, which ones they join. So hmm. we have some pretty large, uh, robust alliances and with communities that are, are pretty good for new players. But um, I think part of the problem is that a lot of the fun in the game is that you get to create your own alliance like with your friends and be in charge and call the shots but right. uh new players that tend to do that that don't really have any experience in the game um, tend to not do very well and they're not really able to support new players that join them as well and so if you just mm -hmm. sign up for the game and you join kind of one of these smaller alliances it's really hard to succeed a lot of the times they're just not as equipped with information and guides and a lot of times resources too so that's one of the things kind of one of the reasons they might make you jump through hoops like taking quizzes and learning about the game is that then once you do that you've kind of proven you're committed and they will bombard your nation with tons of aids so that you can build it really quickly and, and be a competitive player um, very quickly instead of you know a natural growth rate that might take a lot longer right yeah i get it you need to you need to be uh invested in there before the others who are already a part of it are willing to give up some of their hard-earned resources so i think it does make sense i think it's it's really trying to to communicate with the, those different groups you know as the, the the designer or creator to be like hey just don't do anything like too crazy i guess i mean i don't know yeah. what that would look like but there there needs to be some but i guess keeping it all in that discord server helps though because at least you can keep some tabs on it um but it's a it's a weird uh a weird but good at the same time problem or or concern to have i suppose yeah, it's definitely different. And and to be honest with you, I really have kind of a hands-off approach. I, I don't really monitor what alliances do with new players for the most part. And and we do have like our official politics and war discord server. Um, and mm -hmm. I try to push people to go there to, to ask questions about the game. 
because that's a really right. easy way to get help in real time. But uh, yeah, most alliances have their own servers where their own things are going on. And I, I really can't keep tabs on everything that's happening. And, and right, to be honest, so I don't think I've ever on. tried to. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so we, we kind of didn't really touch upon this as much. I know we, we talked about how many things there are, but like, how does this all work? Like, what's the main mechanic that you're, you're, you're doing as far as, as playing this game? So we know it's a web browser game. So what's the main, like, you know, your, your actions or what you are effectively doing while you're playing this game, right? Yeah, so I'd say like um, from the quote unquote single player perspective, you're really trying to grow your nation to be as big as possible and to mm -hmm. produce as much money and resources as possible because that kind of gives you the most influence. So if you have a lot of money, you can kind of swing your weight around and you can tell other people what to do or you can you know, pay them to do certain things that you know might benefit you politically in the game or, or whatever you want. Or a lot of times people just have ego things where they want to uh, be well known and, and have influence and, and things like that. Right. Um, so in terms of mechanics, I mean, that really comes down to uh, building more cities. Cities are kind of the main functional unit of a nation in the game. And each city then is broken down, has infrastructure, which increases your population. And then they have those improvements that I mentioned earlier. So there are resource production improvements, raw resource mm -hmm. production improvements. So there's like, um, oh, I saw my head, five, six raw resources like coal, oil, uh, uranium, lead, bauxite, um, these things. And then there's manufacturing improvements. So you can actually refine those raw resources into things like steel and aluminum and gasoline and munitions. And those resources are kind of what gets used for um, things like war. So to build tanks or to build ships or to um, you know launch an attack, you might use the gasoline and the munitions. And right. then there are commerce improvements. And these just kind of um, it's not resource based, but it increases like your cash output. So um, I guess if everybody all did resources, then you'd have to have kind of a barter economy. But um, there, that doesn't really exist. It's pretty much all cash for resources. And so um, what happens is you have kind of large nations that uh, focus on commerce because it's cleaner. And if you have a large enough nation with, with higher population, um, you can make more money that way because it comes from uh, tax revenue from your citizens and so their commerce like increases their average income i guess and, uh -huh. and hopefully i'm being clear i don't know if i'm losing you on any of this no no um, it makes sense but yeah so the larger nations will do the commerce builds they'll produce a lot of money but they won't produce a lot of resources but they need the resources so uh, they end up buying uh, the resources from smaller and mid-tier nations um, right. that will end up either mining the raw resources or uh you know buying raw resources and refining those into manufactured resources that they can sell at a higher price <laughs> that's so interesting I, I think this really goes into to my you know my bigger question that sparks into this is like what was the main thing that you hope to achieve with this game because a lot of this seems like it can be a very educational game in, in a lot of regards because someone who's doing this yeah you get the you know that that feeling of like oh i have my own country i have my you know i get to uh, i have my own nation i i get to to do whatever it is that i want to do whether that's you know just for declaring war on other people or that's just seeing how big you can get your economy whatever that means but like at the same time there's so many pieces that go into this and so many aspects that you're talking about that really from an educational standpoint a lot of people probably don't understand just at face value so like was the purpose of creating this game in your eyes other than you know the, the the fact that you were looking towards 
building something that was a fun experience that you had when you were a kid but like was another side of this ever just to educate people on on politics in general you know it really wasn't but i wish it had been um (laughs) since the game has been out i've actually had a number of like uh high school typically teachers like history teachers and stuff that have uh, contacted me and said like hey can i use your game for um kind of like a class activity where i'll have all of my students sign up and play right Um, and and we've actually made that work it's kind of hard because i haven't set up anything that like separates i I don't have like different servers you could have you know for example where they can play separately from everyone else that would really be ideal i think um because otherwise you have problems with you know anybody can message anybody else and kind of say whatever i mean i moderate the game but a lot of that stuff happens after the fact in case somebody like you know, uses a bad word or whatever. There's some risk, right. I suppose, if you're a school. But but nonetheless, it still has happened a number of times. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, every time that happens, you know, I think I really wish that I would have built more information into this to like, you know, teach people. And there are a right. lot of kids that play the game, you know, more about uh, the different things going on. So like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was an economics major in college, for example, and there's a lot of economics principles that, uh, you know, exist in the game and, and could be, um, explained in an educational way that I think would be useful for people. Right. Um, right. So, so yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. And it's something that I wish I would have, you know, addressed more. And if I was going to do it again now, like start from scratch now, I, I would definitely build that in. It's like a, a cornerstone part of the game that, you know, you could really learn something from it. Right. Right. Well, I'm sure there's still ways to backtrack in, in other areas. It's probably not, you know, the, the, the biggest, uh, idea on your mind or the biggest, you know, this is what has to come next, but I'm sure there's ways that you could kind of shoehorn those pieces in there. Cause I, I think there is some, some true value and, and your, your idea of having different servers, I feel like that would kind of be the, the way to get around those new players and to kind of have like that safe haven of like, Hey, you've got 30 days on the, the, the safe uh, server where not a lot of craziness happens because like certain things are, are locked. But then after 30 days, you're, you basically get thrown in to the real world, so to speak. Yeah, and that's actually an idea I hadn't had before. That's a really good idea just for, yeah, new players and in terms of player retention. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to spend some time thinking about that. Thank you for <laughs> for coming up with that idea. Well, no problem. Uh, but anyway, uh, just one of the things I did want to talk about going back is that I noticed that although this is a web browser game, right, you seem to also have a an Android and I, I believe an iOS version of this game, correct? Yeah, so kind of. Um, okay, yeah, I wanted to know, are these full experiences or is this, you know, like a, a watered-down version? What are these? So they are, they're the full game and they're actually exactly the same as the game. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I know very little about making apps, but uh, what happened was, I think it was the summer of 2017, um, I had somebody approach me and they uh, wanted to make the game into an app for me. Um, uh-huh. And when i when i made the game i didn't like code it very well it doesn't have like a proper api to like build a native app with but mm-hmm. uh it is mobile responsive and so when you access the game right. in your web browser on your phone you know it works and functions as the whole game it's not perfect by any means but um right you so know, it's just it, like an iframe less... holding up you know the the actual web browser inside some kind of some app like control is that what we're yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think they call that web view with the okay. uh, with the app stuff. And so I had it on iOS and um, Android, uh, but actually it was a player that did the iOS version and he gotcha. took it down after a while. And, and I think there was some like issue where 
Um, Google Play Store doesn't really have the same restrictions that Apple does. Like they yeah. expect a higher quality app and they don't really want you to just make a website into an app. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on a way to get it back on the uh, Apple App Store. But okay. Uh, okay. Uh, if you had already downloaded it, you still have it, obviously. And, and it is available on Google Play. Right. Okay. Uh, do you have any any idea, like any plans to eventually say, like, go to something like a console uh, or have some kind of like, build? I don't know how, how it would work for consoles, but I assume it could be something the same where it would just open like a web browser, but keep it all slated in that application. Uh, any ideas for that? Not really. Um, you know, you could in theory play it on like your console's web browser. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah, most of it, I mean, it, most of it is like input boxes and clicking, and I think it would probably be kind of tough to do with a mm -hmm. controller compared to a mouse and keyboard. I'm sure it's right. possible, like you could probably um, make it better. It's probably a little bit outside of my expertise, and I'm, mm -hmm. I actually did just recently hire somebody else to help me out doing development, but up until okay. like just a couple months ago, I've been the only developer on this, and gotcha. I never did any sort of like formal computer science or programming training or anything, so... A lot of times things are limited to what I am capable of, of Googling and figuring out how to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, that I mean, that's fine. Uh, I just kind of wondering about that to see where, where your audience would. And I don't know, yeah, like to your point, if your audience would be, you know, console players or if it makes more sense to keep it that web browser slash uh, mobile application because it's probably more accessible that way. Um, but just curious. Um it's interesting to hear, though, that you do have another person who's who's joining your team and working on development. I kind of wanted to go back to like the start of the story of you having that uh, those those concerns, right, or that that frustration of dealing with people who are like, "Oh, why do you keep making these changes?" And I don't want this. I wanted it to be the way it was before. Like, how are you dealing now with with that as opposed to? how things were in in the past like are you still trying to you know implement new ideas are you still pushing out you know content changes what does that look like for politics and war yeah i'm i'm really active in the community um and so i'm kind of always working on new content or uh, making changes like balance changes to existing stuff um and i try to be really as active as possible in the community um mm -hmm. so uh, i guess one thing like uh, just as an example is uh, when I get on every day to just kind of like check on things, like kind of the moderation part of the job, um, mm -hmm. I will have dozens of messages and reports and things to go through. Um, <laughs> so I'm really accessible, I guess. So a lot of players that play the game will just like DM me on Discord and be like, hey, I have a question about this or like, hey, you know, so-and-so did something bad. Here's, you know, their nation. You should do something about this, etc." And so I, I engage in a lot of like discourse with players very regularly. Um, and uh, in terms of like dealing with criticism and like people uh, complaints and stuff, I mean, that still happens. I feel like at this point, it's almost um, a meme. Like people make memes about how bad of a developer I am and how uh, not not like a bad admin. I get praised a lot, I think, for being active and responding to the community and stuff. But they're like, you don't know how to program anything. You <laughs> oftentimes push out updates that have like bugs in them or typos. Right. and Sometimes things don't work. Um, but you know, I even mean, when that happens, person, you know, yeah, Come yeah. On. Even when that happens though, it's like the next day I'm usually around to fix it and make it better. Right. So, right. um, I, I just developed a much thicker skin 
And uh, uh, I've come to realize that I could push out the best update in the world and three months later, everyone will love it. But when it comes out, I'm going to have like a dozen negative comments because people just don't like change or yeah, yeah, for sure. um, they don't. I've also learned a lot of times that people just don't understand a lot of times. Like I'll have the full idea in my head and I'll, you know, implement something or change something and I'll kind of have an idea of how it's going to work. But people will read whatever I've written about it and, and not understand the full picture and they'll just like pick out something that they don't like. Um, right. And so they'll have an initial negative reaction, but once they've actually gotten to uh, like play with the thing in the game, they might be like, oh, okay, like th- this really isn't that bad. This might actually be a good thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. You can't, you can't be inside other people's heads. You only know your perspective, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do always like to end these with one final thought. I always like to hear advice from those who are in the indie space, those who are, you know, creating their own projects and their own uh, just incredible things that I have no uh, way or how to do. So uh, for those listening who might be interested in starting their own project or creating something like this, you know, what are some tips? What are some advice, some best practices, things that you've learned along the way from your your first crudely drawn sprite game to now? <laughs> uh, well, I've learned a lot, but uh, I, think, I think some big takeaways are uh, from me anyway that... Uh, you really just need to keep going. You know, all those projects that I talked about that I started and either, you know, they failed or I, I quit and started over. Um, mm-hmm. I learned a lot doing those. You know, it wasn't wasted time, even if that project didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. And all of those things laid the foundation for what is now a successful game. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think being persistent, being able to stick with things. Uh, I guess I'm kind of saying one thing and doing the other and that I, I ended up quitting a lot of those projects, but, um, you know, sticking with the idea and, and even if you, uh, run into problems and you kind of have to start over, um, you should, you should still keep at it. And eventually you are going to have something that, uh, will work and can really be quite successful. And, uh, you're just, you're never going to know if you, if you don't stick with it. Right. Um, another big thing that I learned was, uh, involving the community and getting community feedback. A lot of the best ideas in politics and war are not my ideas. In fact, most of them probably aren't. Um, you know, <laughs> I have ideas a lot and I post them and I like on our forums or I'll uh, talk to people in Discord about my ideas. And a lot of times they're like, your idea sucks. Here's, you know, three good ideas that you should actually implement into the game. And I'll be like, wow, you're right. Like these are much better ideas. And most of the community tends to agree, you know, with whatever ideas. And so. Um, the biggest thing for me was having a forum, I think, where people could post suggestions, where people could comment on other people's suggestions, where people could nice. give me feedback about the things that I was doing, even if it was harsh a lot of the times and, and mm-hmm. they really didn't like it. Like I said, sometimes people uh, say negative things and then they come around. Sometimes they don't. And you have to admit that you uh, actually did make a mistake and, and it's OK to you know, change things back or, or take right. community advice. But yeah, yeah I, I almost call that like crowdsourcing of, I mean, it kind of is crowdsourcing, I guess, of, yeah, of ideas yeah. and features and stuff for the game. And and I think that is one of the reasons, or one of the biggest reasons that politics and war is as successful as it is. It's just because I was there to listen to the community and I gave them a platform to, you know, tell me what what is a good idea and what isn't and could just incorporate their ideas. So yeah. I mean, there's a lot more advice that I could probably give, but I, I think with those two things, uh, that'll take you pretty far. As long as you can stick with it and 
get some ideas from your players that uh, I mean they know what's going to be fun and what's not you can you can make a pretty successful game even if you don't know how to program like I do like I said I just spent tons of time googling uh, how to do different things and I just pieced it together and it's far from perfect that's for sure but uh, it works and people yeah. enjoy it <laughs> well, that's awesome. So for those listening, Politics and War is currently available. Just simply go to politicsandwar.com. You can easily sign up today. All you need is an email address. Check it out, create some farms, gather some resources, maybe even declare war on a rival country. Once again, Alex, thank you so much for joining today. It was a pleasure. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been great.